Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Today on Accent of Women, we look at the most recent Israeli aggression against Palestinians, specifically in the Al-Aqsa compound of Jerusalem. Supposedly in retaliation to an attack by Palestinian worshippers at Al-Aqsa Mosque in mid-July, Israel then restricted who could pray there, installed metal detectors and commenced harassing and arresting worshippers. Al-Aqsa compound is also a sacred site for Jews, known as Temple Mount. It's the site of religious contention, holding significance for Jews, Christians and Muslims alike. While arguably Al-Aqsa Mosque has been reopened to Palestinians, harassment and arrest continue, as does the violence. To discuss the situation in Palestine and the context leading up to the closure of Al-Aqsa Mosque, Reem Yunus. She's a Palestinian activist and socialist based in Melbourne, Australia. This interview was recorded 10 days ago at the peak of the violence and before the announcement of the compound being reopened. However, as I mentioned earlier, the situation has not altered in any meaningful way on the ground for Palestinians. Here's Reem. On the 14th of July, three Palestinians uh, from the city of Um Al-Fahim, which is a town, one of the biggest uh, predominantly Arab-occupied towns in uh, Palestine 48, uh, which is the country that all the imperialists will refer to to as Israel. These three Palestinians, um, they basically, because being uh, called Israeli Arabs, and I put that between quotations, um, they are allowed to enter um, Jerusalem and Al-Aqsa Mosque freely. So what they've done is um, they've gone there and they uh, performed their prayer and the dawn prayer. And it's in the time when there was no, almost no people before 7 a.m. They had rifles with them. Um, I don't know how they got them. And uh, they killed two Israeli soldiers um, from a short distance. Uh, Of course, the soldiers were uh, stunned and and shocked. But in the meantime, the rest of the soldiers came and killed them uh, at the spot that these three uh, Palestinians. This made headlines in the whole world as a provocation by the Palestinians. It took Israel by surprise. It took the world by surprise. Um, We should remember that we have Palestinians killed every day not Israeli soldiers, but Palestinians killed every day. All are civilians, all are uh, unarmed, and especially in the last three days before these three men were killed, there were a lot of people around Mukhayam at Dehesha, which is a refugee camp next to Bethlehem. Um, uh, Kids were killed there. There were other two young men killed in the West Bank, and a three-year-old girl from Gaza also died while waiting, um, long waiting for a permit, uh, because she was a cancer patient, to be a permit to be transferred to the West Bank hospitals to be treated for cancer, she died. You know, so you can see why these Palestinians, whether we are all Palestinians, even those they call uh, Israeli Arabs, why they were pushed to the brink, and they have done so. Israel took that as um, <clears throat> as an excuse. Uh, on the same day, they uh, detained 
the imam of the mosque, of the Al-Aqsa mosque, for a few hours for interrogation. Um, then they released him in the same day, and they didn't let anyone in. It, it is told in history that these three days of uh, the closure uh, of Al-Aqsa mosque compound, the whole compound, uh, is the first time that it happened uh, since 1969. Um, you remember 1967 is the occupation of the East Jerusalem, <clears throat> which was part of the West Bank uh, up until then. And uh, the, these holy shrines were always, until now, being run by the Waqf, Islamic Waqf, which is like an Islamic trust um, that have been doing that during the Jordanian rule, during the, um, uh, the Jordanian rule before 1967, and continued to do that uh, only over the Muslim holy sites at the time. Well, the closure made a lot of anger, and not to top that off, the Israelis uh, uh, erected um, metal detectors in front of the mosque. So if you want to enter the compound, you have to enter through metal detectors. Um, this is a humiliation. We have the right for worship. Um, regardless and without any restrictions. Um, so in defiance to that, they are sitting uh, in around the mosque uh, for weeks now. It's been and spraying in the street because they are refusing to enter via the metal detectors. Uh, Israelis answer saying, no, we allow the people who are above 56 to enter. Well, the most of the population, whether in Jerusalem or the West Bank or <clears throat> everywhere in Palestine, we have a majority of over 50% young population. So even those who go, uh, um, who are over 56, they have to go through metal detectors. So it's all lies for the media. Uh, so the Palestinians are staging a, a large sit-in. It never happened um, before uh, because they called on uh, all Palestinians from all the West Bank cities and villages, and not only that, even buses upon buses from the Arab populations, whether they were Muslims or Christians, were coming over in buses um, from their towns in uh, Palestine 48 to, um, to join in these protests. So at the moment, uh, there are um, the, the Israeli soldiers are barricading in front of uh, around the compound, uh, a distance around the compound. And from time to time, they start altercations to provoke the Palestinians. And there were bloody clashes on Thursday night and Friday night. You know, uh, Friday even during the day, because you know Friday is the Muslim holy day when they have to perform the prayer. Uh, the provocation was the worst yesterday, and we had three Palestinians killed, uh, uh, from that vicinity, uh, three of them are um, they are identified as one of them was 17-year-old Muhammad Sharaf, and the other is 20-year-old Muhammad Abu Ghanam, and there is the third one, uh, Muhammad Khalaf. Uh, he's from Ramallah, but he was also going there, and he's a Zayt University, I think, second-year student. Also, he felt that succumbing to his wounds. Um, <clears throat> an extra thing I'd like to tell our audience, uh, quickly, the angry protesters, once these martyrs were declared dead in the hospital, quickly they smuggled their bodies to their families, 
for fear that maybe the Israelis, as always, have been doing since years now, in recent years, they will confiscate the bodies, keep them in uh, deep freezers, and refuse to give them back to their families. So uh, it's an extra punishment for the families who cannot even say good goodbye. So actually, these um, bodies of the martyrs were uh, buried quickly, not even given their mothers, and I feel with the mothers, to the chance to to have a uh, last look on them for fear that the Israelis will um, confiscate their bodies. So the anger and the escalation is being uh, really intense. Uh, the slogans are here and the spirit of resistance and defiance that I hear from um, the Palestinians uh, around the Jerusalem uh, Al-Aqsa compound is really, really heartwarming. So this particular the area in Jerusalem where the Al-Aqsa Mosque is is particularly significant <clears throat> to both Muslims and, and Jewish people. So some and people Christians. Yep. and Christians, the people yep. are saying that actually this increased aggression is uh, is cover for <clears throat> Israel asserting more control over the, the this holy site known to Israelis as the Temple Mount. What do you, do you think that's the case? Yes, that's that's very true, and that's what actually spontaneously and um, you know by instinct, all the Palestinians understand on the ground over there. So it's not a religious war; it's actually political. You're 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 absolutely right, and analysts who said that are absolutely right. Israel, since they uh, extended their occupation to. East Jerusalem, Jerusalem in 1967, for years and, and upon years, they have been trying to uh, assert a new matter of fact of making Jerusalem their um, capital, which all the world, um, at least the, uh, the United Nations and all these organizations, international organizations, refuse. Um, in, back in 1981, the Israelis uh, annexed East Jerusalem and proclaimed its sovereignty over there. But that was, and of course it was rejected worldwide. And the um, that fact that being uh, rejected worldwide and, and uh, the fact that the balance of power, especially if you look at now Trump in office, it wasn't in the Israelis' favor there. Um, you have to remember that the relationship between Israel and American imperialism is like American imperialism is the master and um, uh, the Zionist Israelis are the child and sometimes the child try to defy, try to push the limits, but uh, actually who puts the plug is actually the American and how much they allow to happen in order to keep the face as the brokers of the two-state solution, brokers of peace. And that's only because of their interest. Israelis continued to... um, to try to Judaize the whole area of East Jerusalem, slowly, slowly, but surely. So a lot of um, hundreds and thousands of residential compounds have been built over the years. Um, now, there was a, a, a period of the Obama administration where this um, Judaization, or at least building the residential um, uh, settlements for the Israelis was um, not halted, I won't say halted, but at least slowed down. 
um, one, because Obama and the international community wouldn't allow it. Um, uh, for example, uh, we have to remember that only uh, in uh, last year, the UNESCO uh, announced that uh, Jerusalem and East, uh, East Jerusalem is a heritage site for the uh, an, uh, recognized heritage site for the Palestinians and, and Muslims in particular. So that angered, of course, the Israelis and the Americans at the time. With Trump coming to office and Netanyahu pushing for more assertion of the Israeli um, sovereignty over uh, Jerusalem, um, we can see that Netanyahu got the green light from uh, Trump even during his uh, election campaigns when he was implying that he will move um, the, the American embassy from Tel Aviv to uh, Jerusalem. Now, this step hasn't materialized, but it certainly gave um, a very boost of confidence that they wanted um, to uh, increase their aggression and their, uh, mat- you know, mat- matters on the ground, how they try to to increase the resident- residential um presence of the Israelis and kicking out and demolishing houses of the Palestinians have been also uh, increased and hastened, if you like. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. We're looking at the current Israeli aggression against Palestinians at Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. How have other neighbouring Arab states responded to this particular increased aggression, but obviously the ongoing colonialism and ethnic cleansing in Palestine, um, given that 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 is actually very much an anti-Arab sentiment. I agree with you. We we see an anti-Arab sentiment. From the footages I looked and heard in Arabic, men, older men crying and chanting that they want to defend Al-Aqsa with their own souls. And they are saying that Al-Aqsa is like an orphaned child uh, being abandoned by the neighboring Arabs. Of course, when they say that, they mean the Arab rulers, not the Arab people. Because um, as a Marxist, I see that our problem is uh, with the um, Arab rulers, of course, not the Arab people, all the Arab working class people actually have felt a strong affiliation with Palestine. Time and time again, they will go in every single intifada or in every single um, crisis and crises that happen over the years. They've come, they went to the streets and, and showed their solidarity with the Palestinians. Now, recently, in this one week only of the crisis in Jerusalem, uh, I've seen uh, footages of people in Tunisia, in Jordan, in Lebanon, even in Sudan and um, in Algeria, in Morocco, in even in Indonesia and Turkey. I have seen um, thousands of people showing their solidarity and going angry in the streets. Uh, because simply they understand the pain of the Palestinians. The Palestinians are left in a position where they are desperate and angry, and from grassroots they are 
rising up. Um, we don't have uh, leadership currently to the, I won't call it intifada, but to this anger and uh, confrontation that is gaining momentum day after day and hour after hour because our Palestinian authority is uh, complicit with the Israelis and they know they can't uh, rely on it. And they know um, that this PA, especially in this point in time, is too uh, damn um, busy in their infighting and their power struggle within themselves to to see the dangers um, about Jerusalem. I'll go back to the neighboring Arab countries that you mentioned. Yes, we had some uh, official statements. Uh, I remember the Jordanians uh, announced a statement refusing um, what Israel did. And we have to remember Jordan is in a peace treaty with Israel and they have normalization. Uh, but that's from a religious point of view. They mentioned it. The Arab League as well, they, they, they gave out a statement. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I know our Palestinians, I know our Arab people. They don't trust their leaders and they don't trust this lip service that we are hearing from our despotic dictators who lovingly left Israel, expand and expand and ethnically cleanse uh, Palestine and become stronger and they've normalized with it basically um even the gulf states are normalizing with it under wraps by the way um even without signing the agreement which is really shameful so i'm telling you from now the palestinians don't see any hope from the arab leaders they just see hope from their own resistance and they will continue because they they have nothing to lose. And as the saying goes, beware of anyone who has nothing to lose. We saw the massive hunger strikes of the Palestinian prisoners recently. This was a, a bold show of resistance to Israeli occupation, but particularly the treatment of prisoners um, in Israeli prisons. They said that the hunger strike ended in victory. Do, do you think the hunger strike achieved any significant gains? The hunger strike, I consider it victory, or at least, in my opinion, partial victory, because they didn't win all their demands. But at least the mere fact that it lasted 40 days since 17 of uh, April, the mere fact that despite all the repression of the Israelis to keep it under wraps and repress it from spreading, 5,000 Palestinian prisoners took that upon themselves and endangered their own health for 40 days, continuous 40 days. They were really in a um, bad health situation. Um, that is a victory in and by itself. And that brought the Israeli administration and the administration of the prison into its knees to come to the table with the Palestinian Authority and the Red Cross in order to mediate and give them some of their demands. Some of their demands that materialized is reinstalling a landline in each prison so that they can call their families um, at least once a, once a month, allowing the visits uh, to be regular. So now it is 
twice a month with their families because that was a very inhumane thing uh, to deprive them uh, from their uh, visiting their families. Um, ending the um, solitary confinement. They didn't win, of course, the, ve the bigger demand, which is an end to the administrative detention. Uh, and they didn't uh, win uh, the fact that they wanted um, to see, uh, they see their lawyers, but they wanted um, better uh, health and no negligence and these things, uh, but it is still under negotiations. When they um, suspended the strike, they didn't say that they ended it. They said they suspended it in order to see um, what will materialize. So I'm, I'll be more interested to see what happens on the ground and uh, if this current confrontation with Israel about Jerusalem, and remember there will be and there are Go, uh, ongoing arrests at the moment as well. Let's see what happens and let's see if this will lead to another hunger strike or another uh, round of um, violence, violence even within the prisons. So where to in the solidarity movement? Where to for the Palestinians now? Well, my guess is uh, as good as yours, uh, Comrade Giselle. The problem is... Um, we had a first intifada, we had a second intifada, then the second intifada was aborted by the entrance of the Palestinian uh, leadership, political leadership, um, under Arafat then Abbas after signing the Oslo Agreement. And when Abbas made that security coordination with Israel, um, that made it difficult. And I will say difficult and extremely difficult, but not impossible. I visited uh, Palestine a few years ago and I met with some of the uh, leaders of resistance uh, on the ground and they talked to me that having a third intifada as we all wish is not a matter of uh, if it's a matter of when because they told me and I will quote one um, one really good activist he said basically, and I'll translate it from Arabic to English the best I can, is that the Palestinian street is boiling with anger and it needs an outlet. On the ground at the moment, there are grassroots organizations such as uh, village resistance uh, communities, refugee camps, resistance um, communities, all these are like organelles of resistance that try to work away from the PA. Some of them get captured because of the PA's security coordinations and some learn how to um, circumvent that, um, that uh, co collaboration with Israel that the PA is doing. Uh, we have three pockets of resistance that have been going for seven or eight years now, um, like the village of Nabi Saleh, the village of Nalin, and the village of Bilain. Uh, sorry, and there are from time to time the 
uprisings that happen in the Haitia refugee camps near Bethlehem uh, or Al-Jalazun uh, refugee camp near um, Ramallah. These are beginner, beginnings. In 2014, um, when the three young Israelis were dead and Israel started a big rampage of arrests and raids and and settlers also were uh, let loose to um, run over kids um, in the streets and a lot of repression to the Palestinian happened. Uprisings started then and there. And some people even, few of them carried knives and which is like an individual act, act of anger to stab settlers who always terrorize their villages and their kids going to school. But it didn't materialize. Again, it, it was halted. It, it ended by um, the third Israeli war, uh, barbaric war, I will call it, on Gaza uh, of 2014. And no one did anything for uh, the young Jerusalemite kid, Muhammad Abu Khder, who was um, burnt alive by the three Israeli settlers. No one did anything to the uh, family of a uh, young baby and two mom and dad and their, their older son, who was the only one who uh, survived with severe wounds and burns when they were uh, burnt alive in their homes by the Israeli settlers. No one did anything from the Israeli injustice system. And that made anger at the time, and it was halted by uh, our notorious Palestinian authority, which I hate to give it the name uh, Palestinian. It is actually... Uh, a Zionist, a tool in the hands of the Zionists. We can only hope for a third intifada. If you want my opinion, I'd like an Arab Spring as well, an Arab intifada. Uh, I wish that, uh, because that's uh, the, the only way to liberate Palestine is by liberating the neighboring working class Arabs in the neighboring countries. That was Reem Yunus, Palestinian activist and socialist, speaking about the current Israeli aggression against Palestinians at Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.